Well, hey, welcome to another episode of the Hole in My Heart podcast. There's Matt and Lori Krieg. And hey, hey. hey what do you know, our special guest, Greg Coles. Welcome. Yeah. We're so excited that Greg is here today. He is the author of Single Gay Christian, and I've talked about uh, his book on our um, on our blog and on our website, and he was a part of the Caring Well Conference, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But today, episode 15 is called The New Health and Wealth Gospel, and it kind of feels like, hey, come on down, New Health and Wealth Gospel, but <laughs> we're not going to give it a big high five. Um, but what we're going to be talking about today is what I feel is uh, the new... I guess, version of the gospel that millennials can follow. I I watched people who went before me who believed kind of this gospel of, if you follow Jesus, you'll have lots of money and never be sick. Like he just, that's all he wants for you. And is it possible you can be a Jesus follower and have money? Totally. Some of the most humble people I know have a lot of money and I'm really glad they have it um, because they're great stewards of it. And also God can heal us. But I just want to talk about how that is not the reason to follow Jesus. So what is this new health? and wealth gospel, I believe that millennials and maybe just this generation just in 2017 is God doesn't want you to be sad. And I don't think that's the gospel. So we're going to be talking about that. What's it mean to suffer well? But first, we're going to answer the question of the week, which actually wasn't the question of the week from last week. We're just going to be talking about the conference and uh, the Christmas question from last week we'll do during Goofball Island. So the question of the week is, y'all, we had this huge conference yesterday, um, the Caring Well Conference. It was the first conference we've ever done as Hole in My Heart Ministries. What'd you guys think? What was like a highlight for you? I was just incredibly happy that we had so many people helping us. Yeah. Um, I, it was insane. The, the amount of work, the amount of people that were involved. And I mean, it's nice to be on this end of the conference and yeah. be able to kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Yes. Um, but I mean, um, among everything that happened yesterday, just the, the fact that people kind of rallied around it and, and helped to do that whole crazy shindig was yeah. was pretty phenomenal we had it was so nice to, as speakers to be able to be in the sanctuary for lack of a better term and just be able to stay there knowing that there were levels of like prayer protection and like caregivers and volunteers just surrounding us and like equipped like they knew what they were doing i at least i hope steve producer steve was one of those caregivers uh, yeah so yeah what was that like for you uh both attending and giving care. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just liked the structure of the day, uh, like that we started it with prayer, mm -hmm. you know, just walking into the small group that had gathered to just kind of like dedicate the day in yeah, prayer. So powerful. Yep. And then having an opportunity to kind of pray through the auditorium. Yeah. And then that the official thing started with a time of worship, I mm -hmm. thought was just very intentional and uh, it was a great a great way to start a, you know, you wouldn't think of starting a conference yeah. in worship, but it yeah. totally made sense. Yes. Uh, I think, I don't know if we're supposed to only say one because yeah, I've got go. fun. Please do. <laughs> yeah. Stream of consciousness. Yeah. Fun. I, I mean, like I liked uh, all of the presentations, Yeah. you guys, Preston, but I really appreciated the panels because that was very conversational, very natural right. and very real and just um, not just getting head knowledge, but just getting a perspective yes. uh, from people living 
in it, you know? Yeah, so yeah. just really appreciated those things. Yeah. And because I didn't say this at the beginning, the Caring Well Conference, the purpose of it was to equip Jesus followers with a gospel centered approach to sexuality. And so we were really focused on the caregivers and care abouters of LGBT people in particular. And so we really wanted to equip them to be able to love LGBT people better um, through the gospel. And so that was the purpose of it. And yeah, it was really neat because day one, um, we had this advisory team specifically for this conference. And day one, um, Dave Beelan, who's been on the podcast before, he said, I want to make sure we start this day in worship. Mm. Like, and, and so he said, I'm so tired of going to conferences where we just talk about God all day, but we're never really like surrendering to him first. We, we want to bring him in. And so that's where I started praying for a good worship leader. And then, Greg, we met you in Orlando um, at the anniversary of the Pulse shooting, which was a, a sad environment, but it was lifted up when we met you. So <laughs> you led worship for us and you were on some of those panels that Steve was talking about. Um, so what... What was that like, I guess, for you yesterday? Yeah, so since producer Steve set the set the tone of allowing us to have more than one favorite thing, I yeah. really, uh, the, the beginning and the end of the uh, conference for me were sort of the most memorable parts. Mm. Um, and just that time of beginning in worship, uh, and I'm not saying that I'm like the most fantastic worship leader in the world by any you're means. You're pretty good. Oh, yeah. well, you're very <laughs> kind. But, uh, um, but one thing that, that I found so terrific about that uh, was knowing that we were gathered together in a space um, to really talk and think well about sexuality mm. um, and that that piece of the conversation, uh, instead of needing to detract from worship or be a thing that we had to kind of tack onto our worship, uh, became part of what we brought into the worship space. Absolutely. Uh, so that we were really, all of us bringing our whole selves, bringing our questions, bringing yes. uh, even some of our differences in experience or yeah. theology or just bringing us yeah. and Jesus and it being appropriate for those things to be to be together absolutely um, so i just i just thought that was that was such a rich way to enter into worship for me so yeah. i i love that yeah um and then at the end um uh, I was on a I was on a panel um, with Matt that Lori was uh, was moderating of yep. people sharing stories, and when Matt shared on that panel, um, I won't even attempt to to say what he said because mm. I won't do justice to it. Oh. But he got me all weepy, mm. um, and then it was my turn to share right after <laughs> Matt, and and I had I had told myself like it's okay because Lori's giving like these long introductions to everybody else, Sorry. and and I was like it's fine because I'll have twenty seconds to pull myself together after Matt's done nope. before Matt finishes Lori literally turns to me and says so Greg what do you have to add and I had no time so I'm like wiping the tears I'm off so my sorry. cheek I'm trying to suck all the snot back into my face so I can <laughs> so talk like sorry. a human being um, but it, but it was it was fantastic uh, it was really sweet and I'm actually hoping in our conversation about like really it's, we're going to talk about suffering um, that Matt you'll you'll say some of what you said on that panel so no pressure babe hmm. but we're not all crazy crying it's a fail well that's usually that's usually the goal of whenever i talk to people i like to make them cry <laughs> let's face it did someone ask you that like in counseling like do you just like no, did was, they cry or no check was, yes or no it was, it was in one of our old like marriage groups oh that yeah it was like every time someone ended up crying and it was like the they asked, is that like the goal of you coming in here? Like you just want people to cry? I'm like, yeah. Not really, but yeah. it kind of just happens. Sorry. <laughs> I just make people weep. Oh, man. 
I will say some of my favorite parts um, was just the feedback we received. I had a lot of fun all day long. It was just, I was so joyful. And I just was like, this is great. I see people I know. I'm doing this thing that I know I'm called to do, even though it's potentially very tense um, in this controversial conversation. But just some of the feedback that we got was like, it was life-changing. And it gave me, I like this, it gave me permission to be a train wreck too. And I was like, awesome. (laughs) We're letting people feel like they can be authentic. Um, this is so needed. And um, I will say, like, at the end, we had um, a tough situation that turned beautiful, just where someone stood up and was like, hey, wasn't excited necessarily about what we were doing. They didn't attend the whole conference, but just had some feedback for us. And what was really neat is there were people who immediately surrounded this um, LGBT person and like just with love and tears and prayer. And then when I talked with some of those people who surrounded this person who was saying things, hey, not a big fan, um, they said, had we not gone to this conference for the last eight hours, I would not have been able to engage this person with the same amount of grace and love. So I was like, oh my word, Jesus, you could not stage this better. Like that, not only are we learning this, like how can we care well? It was like, Jesus was like, and here you go. Here's your example. And are you go- how are you going to respond? And so for people to just come around this person and not like throw stones, but to, with tears, uh, meet this person where they were at, it was just, it was incredible. It was just so... God in in so many minutes and um, I'll just say too it was really neat to be moderating some panels and my breath would get taken away like after you spoke Matt I was like I don't even know how to recover right now like the same so way that's why I didn't get an introduction no I, because I was like and Greg <laughs> I'm sorry it was me unable to control my she own was, emotions she was passing the buck on to you I you totally I'm so sorry man yeah so there we go. All right. This has felt a little bit goofball islandy in the sense that we're like joyful and happy and all smiling hugely. But we still have to take, we'll take a snowmobile to goofball island. And here we are. All right. Remove goggles. <laughs> remove goggles and helmet and snow gear. Yeah. at the lodge. Uh, this is getting a little, how involved is this going to get? We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, so what we're talking, we're, we're talking about Christmas traditions. Um, so what was a Christmas tradition you had growing up and um, why do you like it so much? Well, I always had, so we did stockings the night before. That might be a little bit off-putting for some people because it's not quite Christmas yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so we we always, we would have, I mean, we'd have presents under the tree, which waited till Christmas, but then we'd have the stockings, you know, hanging on the mantle, and we'd get to open those the night before, which was usually a lot of, like, gum and and candy bars. (laughs) So you go to sleep with it, like, in your cheeks. So, yeah, those visions of sugar plums that (laughs) were... Reality. Reality. Like, they were now, like... In my stomach. You ate a sugar plum? I, I've never... I don't even know what a sugar plum uh, really sugar is. Sugar plum fairy? That's like all I'm picturing is you ate a sugar plum fairy. Um, now we're not going to talk about this anymore. Okay. <laughs> Let's move, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Any other traditions? Well, my dad at some point when we were kids started this thing called candles. And I guess my mom had a lot of candles that came out at Christmas time. And it was like, well, we got all these candles. We might as well light them. And usually in the room, wherever the tree was, Mm -hmm. all the overheads go dim. The lamps get turned off and the candles get lit. And we would sit around as a family. My dad would toss out these questions, just like questions. And they would obviously change over the years as we got older. So what I remember questions, you know, like, what's a goal that you have for 
this year? Or wow. what mm. do you feel like as a way that you grew in this last year? Or, you know, things mm. like that. What, mm. So I just have this thing that every year it was like, are we doing candles tonight? Because it was all through the whole like Christmas season that we would Isn't do it that kind of sporadically. Hanukkah? Uh, no, it wasn't one. It wasn't, it wasn't a like menorah. a menorah. It was, kidding, it was spread out. Yeah. But I think there might have been a... Anyway. No. Uh, <laughs> and so I've tried to keep that going in my family. Oh, I love so it. my kids still, it's it's not as big of a thing for them as I think it was for us, yeah. but they're they're like, hey, let's do that candle thing. Oh, so they ask for it. Yeah. Oh, nice. that's good. Sometimes, some so, years. Sometimes, yeah. So is a part of the candle practice... I mean, it's a celebration of Jesus' birth. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do you have to have like 2,000 candles in the room? Is it like one oh, for every year that Jesus had been born? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, that, and we also that seems like a fire hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Having that many candles in one room. <laughs> we wait for him to blow them out and just kind of, you know, see what... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's actually a good segue into mine. Oh. Uh, my favorite is we did Jesus presents growing up because it's his birthday. Right. So we would make presents for Jesus. And I kind of took it like really literal as a little kid and it would like make him like a manger or like blankets and things like that but it became more like um, you donate somewhere it's just kind of like I am going to give to others because it's not about me so Mm. it's really like kind of looking elsewhere and so that was really my favorite growing up what are you going to say, no, I was Matt? Gonna say, was there snarky. also like some sort of excuse to not have to get all 11 of your siblings <laughs> yeah. a gift? I mean, that, would, that is a cost-effective way to do Christmas, to buy one present <laughs> yeah, for, for someone. Jesus. That's quite shrewd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that was pretty much it. It's just avoidance. <laughs> Speaking of cost-effective Christmases, yes. um, my family didn't really celebrate Christmas growing up. Oh. And I know that that makes me sound like a bit of a heretic. A bit. But I, just a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so for, for my parents, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a huge part of their own tradition. They're, they're feeling like they needed to. And also, I grew up overseas in Indonesia. Uh, so there wasn't like a weather reason to think of Christmas as oh, being right. particularly Christmassy. Yeah. Um, so we didn't tend to do much. Um, but we did have a tradition. All the folks who worked uh, together with my parents uh, in Indonesia, we would get together and have a Christmas party. And there would always be a big gift exchange. Um and oh. so I have fantastic memories of that big Christmas gift exchange and everybody bringing their favorite Christmas foods and enjoying other people's Christmas decorations because it saved us from the, the hassle and the financial burden of making our own. So do you celebrate it now? Like, what's Christmas look like now? Now, uh, I kind of play it fast and loose every Christmas. I mean, my family's kind of all over the place. Uh, one Christmas I spent with my graduate school advisor and her husband, uh-huh. um, and that was delightful. Um, I spent Christmases with, with random friends. Um, I spent some Christmases with my family. So it just depends on who I'm with. Uh, yeah. I'm sort of flexible enough in my own tradition to fit myself into everybody else's. Okay. Nice. So for you, it's not necessarily like this big family gathering holiday. Not inherently, no. no. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks for that. We're yeah. going to take our snowmobile back <laughs> to the reality. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about the heart of the matter, which is, you know, what is this new gospel that seems that we seem to follow nowadays, which is this God doesn't want you to be sad gospel. Now, do you guys agree with that? Disagree? Do you see that played out in the world today? 
I see what you're saying. I mean, like in our part of the world. Yes. I don't know about you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, the global world. Yeah, and like, I don't want to be like global world. Someone who, <laughs> the glo- that's also known as the world. <laughs> yes. As opposed to the I mean the galactic world. I sometimes spend time in the flat world, but yeah. then I try to come over to the global. Yes. World. Anyway, right, right. no. Uh, I feel like in the U.S. But my experience is more in the U.S., so I don't right. want to just say this is an only a U.S. Mm-hmm. thing, right? Or right. maybe a Western thing. But it seems like I know that there are places in the world where the church is suffering, and they're yeah. you know, yeah, uh, they know how to suffer. They know well. how to suffer mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And I think I've heard that their prayer for us is that we would be able to suffer better. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Insanity of God book and movie. That's mm-hmm. like the persecuted church is praying for us to know that, and I I feel like we can see that like it's maybe getting harder in the United mm. States or at least it seems like it for me um, so you, you're saying that you see it in the circles that you run in it's just a sense of like God doesn't want you to be sad is kind of like the thesis statement out of which we live yeah yeah yeah, I'll add to that. I think I largely agree. Um, I'll, I'll provide just just a bit of pushback, mainly because I tend to have an optimistic, rosy view of everything. Yeah. Um, and and so I'll say I think uh, there's there's an element of truth uh, that I think can be had there that I think is worth sort of acknowledging and appreciating. Hmm. Um, which is that I remember growing up, uh, I knew a lot of people who uh, who were sort of perpetually sad, and and they would just be like, well, you know, that's that's just the way the Christian Christian walk is. It's full hmm. of sadness. Um, and I think often it became an excuse uh, for, for missing out on joy. Hmm. Um, but I think there there's often a confusion that happens, a sort of a conflation of joy and happiness. And uh, we yes. get ourselves kind of mixed around and, and uh, mixed around and turned up, turned around, mixed up. Uh, and, and we begin to believe uh, that living a life of joy means that we won't also experience sadness or that we won't suffer. That's uh, it. So I would say on the one hand, absolutely like like life with Jesus ought yeah. to be a life of joy. It can yeah. be. Otherwise, the book of Philippians is really out of place in exactly. the Bible. So maybe a better con- word would just be to say that God wants you to be happy is... Or that God will never allow sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or that experiencing sadness uh, means that there's something wrong with the gospel you're experiencing. That's it. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Matt, what do you think? Well, I, I mean, sadness in these times of dark... You know, not necessarily depression, but the times of sorrow, the times of pain. I mean, honestly, that's where that's where we grow hmm. so often. Like, I mean, so there's this like the, the analogy that I would like to use is like, you know, a, a butterfly coming out of the chrysalis. You know, if, if someone was just there peeling open the chrysalis and the butterfly didn't have to go through the, the arduous task of carving their way out and chewing their way out of this thing the butterfly actually dies. The butterfly is not capable of survival after that. And so, you know, these times of suffering are these times where, where our faith becomes real. It becomes more ingrained. If you never suffer, if you never have, if there, if there is no cost to being a Christian, do you truly understand the gospel? Hmm. Because if the gospel is you must die in order to experience life, that the death must happen. And death isn't like, oh, I died. It's like, <laughs> like what you said, um, you're my favorite part in your book, Greg, just about how you're like, this is just about how the cross, it wasn't, it, it was bloody. It was, it was terrible. And so then we're mm. like, no, there's no way I actually have to go through that. Like if Jesus had to go through that, we need to go through this also to this bloody death of our own selves. And that's not always beautiful and 
it is beautiful in that the ugly there's beauty in suffering well right right but often often we talk about uh, taking up our cross at least in western Christian circles taking up our cross as if it's like putting an extra $20 bill in the plate and putting up with your yes. irritating co-workers yeah. Yeah. and it's like oh my cross is so heavy right um, mm. but we sort of tend to miss the 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 depth of, of cross as a yeah. as as a as a part of our faith as a necessary part of faith yeah and mm-hmm. okay if I can provide a little context which is maybe why I went with this conversation today is like it's been a challenge to put on this conference that we were just celebrating and there weren't everyone wasn't thrilled with our the, the take that we have on the LGBT conversation which is a historically Christian view bathed in grace and love and but just the very fact that we hold to a historically Christian view people are less than thrilled about that and so people will look at me you know as I get lied about, hated, people say things and they're like, isn't it great you get to suffer for Jesus? And I'm like, you suffer for Jesus. Mm. <laughs> like, and they're like, you're like the new, you're like Esther. And I'm like, you be Esther. <laughs> and so I think it's so, because I had that, like growing up, and like it was, oh, that girl was mean to me. Oh my gosh. Like that was my most difficult suffering. And so I realize in my own self, I live out of this gospel of God doesn't want me to be sad because I'm avoiding pain. And so does that mean I have to go wherever the most spiky area is? No, but I know I'm called to this very difficult area and I'm noticing when I I endure. Um, it reminds me of how when I go on long runs, it's like this, it's God has me on his spiritual fitness routine and it isn't always nice. It's like pain. It's like my muscles are burning. My spiritual muscles are burning. And I, there's oftentimes I'm like, I cry a lot when I run because I'm like, God, please take away this pain. And I'm not talking about the running pain. I'm like thinking through blessed are you and you are lied about and people say all sorts of evil things about you and I'm like do I really want the Bible to be true for me do I really want to be blessed do I want to be counted as blessed because I have that means I have to be able to endure suffering that means my spiritual muscles need to be fit to be able to say I praise you God I will have joy even in the midst of this pain because my wounding right now I am matching your wounding on the cross and I get camaraderie with the Savior and there's joy in that when I get to look over to my left or right and see catch the eye of Jesus being like yeah sister keep it going but my natural inclination is to push the eject button as soon as I my spiritual or physical muscles feel pain. Mm-hmm. When you, you said something, I'm going to kind of rewind it back a little bit. You said you don't have to go to the spikiest place. Yeah. But you have been called to something, to a very, yes. to a very volatile conversation. Yep. You know, and, and Greg, you have also been called and into Matt, a very you, volatile yeah. conversation. We've all been what called up? to that. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't believe that, I mean, you could, if you had this mindset where I must go to the hardest place, and if that is not a place where God is calling you, he is not going to give you the grace to endure True the that. suffering that you bring on to yourself. That's it. You know, because someone, you know, and I, I don't want to compare the two, but like someone has to minister to the rich right like someone had someone is going to be wealthy but not all of us will we can't right. ex- we can't expect the blessings for all of, all of us to be the same but we can't also expect the suffering for all of us to be the same because that but, could be suffering in with the wealthy like there's an its own unique suffering yeah i mean yeah. There, there's there's an emotional isolation from a lot of from yes. a lot of other people because of the like front that you would have to put on in order to maintain your standing in that type of community but 
you know, if if you are looking for suffering, you know, and I think Tim Keller talks about the consider it all joy passage that in the midst of suffering we can we can have joy as Christians. Not that we are joyful because of our suffering, but that in our suffering, because we will suffer in some way, we can still have joy. That's it. And this is kind of what I, I talked about on the stage that made you weepy, but you know, it's get it, Matt, go ahead. <laughs> like, and, and that joy from suffering from out of suffering that God has called you into has, has, it produces a depth to your faith. It produces a depth to your character and your, your personality really. And, you know, and this was one of those weird places where when we went to Orlando and here we are at the, the memorial of the Pulse shooting. Right, which is one of the most deadly Yeah, one of the deadliest at shootings a yeah, at, the, at a gay night club. Mm-hmm. And I was in a weird position that I had never experienced before of being kind of a minority. Because mm-hmm. in this group of, you know, 15 people, I was one of like two straight people. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of this internal like, whoa, this is kind of weird. You know, but... After getting to know people, after getting to know you, Greg, and, and Meg, and Ty, and all the other people that we, we met there, it was like, there's something, there's just this thing in my head, like, there's something about this community mm. that is incredibly rich. Mm. And and after thinking about it for days and days, and even, you know, the weeks after coming home from that, it was this sense of, I could put my finger on it. The gospel cost you all something. Mm. And because of that, it wasn't like I had to play like the gospel was just this easy, easy breezy thing that never really mattered. It's just this fun. Oh, yay! it's the gospel. Like, no, it was real. It was gripping. It was it was something that also (laughs) called me to be like, okay, what has the gospel truly cost me? Mm. And what am I really willing to give up in my life? And what do I feel like maybe God is calling? calling me to give up in my life in order to have that same depth and that same connection with the Lord of the Lord of heaven Mm. and earth, you know, the creator of the universe. It will cost me something. Dang it, Matt, I can't recover again. (laughs) I'm just so laid out by your kindness Mm. and your like acknowledgement. I think, I don't know how you feel, Greg, but it's such like this, like to have someone name it, this like ongoing arduous, yet joyful suffering that we live in every day like that you just get used to like your muscles get built to have someone name it and acknowledge it like that's pretty special well and i mean to to broaden it out this isn't something that just happens in the lgbt community for for people who have submitted their sexuality to christ i mean there are so many other areas you know them when you meet them the people who are like you are sold out Mm. you are sold out for the gospel whether it's financial Stuff like, you know, you hear stories about people selling their house and like moving into the inner city and living on like 10% of their income and tithing 90 and God has called them to that. And it's like, holy cow. Mm. And it it seems like this like otherworldly thing because it kind of is. It's heaven as opposed to how we think on earth. Mm. But in meeting and talking with those people, you're like, yeah, there's you're different. You're not the run of the mill casual cultural western christian yeah Mm. you know it's there's a depth there's a reality to it yeah and i think there's a kind of richness then uh in the in the joy that that you see in people like that and i'm going to talk about other people instead of myself because i can't assess myself worth (laughs) beans but um but when when you're interacting with people who who you really see ways that the gospel has 
cost them, ways that they've really uh, entered into sorrow in intentional ways for Jesus and found joy within yes. that. Yeah. Yes. There's a kind of robustness in the joy that's so different in kind from the happiness that I yes. think we're often peddled. And it's kind of like the difference between uh, living off of Twinkies yes. and sitting down to like a, a real feast, right? Yes. The flavors are more complicated in the feast, but it's so much better than just subsisting on Twinkies. Um, and so you kind of have to force yourself to stop eating the Twinkies, yes. as, but but you're forcing yourself to do that in order to enter into something that, though it's more difficult, is really worth the difficulty. I love that. Mm-hmm. That was a great analogy. What's stirring for me, and I'll just kind of like build on some of the word pictures and metaphors. Uh, I heard a long time ago that faith is just a like religiously dressed up word for risk. Yeah. Really, we're called to risk. Yep. And I know that I don't want to confuse terms because we also talk a lot about safety as mm-hmm. we need to be Absolutely. safe people yeah, and yeah. we need a sense of safety. It's one of our core needs. Yeah. But God does call us to risk, That's you know, it. to grab his hand and yep. follow his lead into mm-hmm. maybe the great unknown. Right. And so... I love Twinkies. In fact, I love them so much that I've got a horde of Twinkies <laughs> in my trunk. You, know, you just I, outed I wasn't him. trying to pick on you. I'm not you saying outed this. him I, I, I'm now. saying metaphorically, <laughs> metaphorically, I've got this because I don't want to lose my Twinkies. I want to make sure I always have them. Yeah. And God is leading me to just say, like, get rid of the Twinkies and come mm. to this banquet with mm-hmm. me, wow. you know, and just kind of like let go of whatever sense of security I'm trying to f- provide for myself. Mm. That's it. And so that, I think, is what a lot of um, whatever people group we're talking about, whatever, yes. you know, the Christian people that aren't really like experiencing the depth of joy that yes. comes from suffering. Uh, suffering. <laughs> Uh, they're trying to hold on to something that can be a buffer from that suffering. I, I think I shouldn't say they. I should say I do that. That's I've true. got that in me. Me too. Yeah, all of us all have of that. Us. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. And I wanted to tag on where you talked about safety and how that is a core need. And I think about that. I'm like, man, I don't know. When we're speaking, there could be somebody come in who's freaking out and is has a gun. Like, what happens? And I, I just always go back and I think about me like having gone through assault, like there was times like I, I was really trying to barricade myself, especially from men, um, which is funny, I'm in a group, group of men often, uh, <laughs> but I tried to keep myself safe that way. But I love how Jesus says, like, don't fear those who can hurt or kill your body because they can never touch your soul. And so if you are called to those spiky places, like we're talking about, you are in the safest place because you are in God's will. And even if your physical body is injured or raped or what, like God forbid, but my, no one can touch my soul. No one can touch my spirit. And so if you're called there, you can take those risks and simultaneously be safe because you are in the safety of God's will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, the the safety that you then experience um, within risk is so much better than any kind of safety that you that you build up for yourself, or the sort of partial safety that you imagine. Absolutely, because you discover where safety is actually meant to be located, yeah. and it's not meant to be located in the things that you can control by which risks you choose to take. That's um, right. But when you take risks for Jesus, then you discover that the safety was meant to be located in Jesus all along. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just want to ask one more question, and anyone is welcome to jump in on this, but when was a time you experienced almost like a drunk feeling of joy because you were doing something really difficult? And um, 
I'll just start. I just, I honestly, anytime I speak or even doing this, even doing this podcast right now, I was so exhausted coming into this and I feel so full and excited right now because we're talking about <laughs> Jesus. We're talking about suffering. We're talking about joy. So it's like, you feel like a, I feel a little bit crazy sometimes when I speak because I'm like, I know this is hard. I know there's people in the audience who are not thrilled with what I'm saying, but because I know the heart of the father for me, like I just feel so much joy in leaning into this. So for me, it's like almost any time I speak or when I do the hard thing, I do the thing that I know I'm supposed to do and it's in my going, I feel this joy. I don't feel it before, it's in my going. Mm-hmm. Similar, I think back to um, just the first few times of sharing my story of pornography addiction mm-hmm. publicly right? in a setting where um, it's obviously not about me, but my story is helping in a setting where we're talking about this. And yeah. then just leading groups of men also coming out of that uh, addiction um, and not feeling equipped, not feeling like I am prepared or trained for this, but uh, I've been entrusted with it. So, okay, God, I'm going to really, really need you right now. You know, Um, so you just feel that, I guess, dependence that we're supposed to kind of like always be in. But, you know, I don't know, like, that's where my mind goes. Absolutely. And isn't dependence such a, it's so... It's, it's a critical word when yeah. you talk about mm-hmm. suffering. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think that I've actually talked about mine before on the podcast. Um, it was a time when I had had a just like kind of marathon session of, oh, of yeah. counseling. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just completely emotionally exhausted. Like we, I get home and I'm like, all I want to do is go to sleep. And, and then I, in this instance, people were coming over and for a crisis for for kind of more crisis management conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, uh, and I I, like in my head, I start singing like the Matt Marr song, uh, just amen. Uh, I'm alive because he lives and and, like no longer a slave to fear. There was like a few songs that just came into my head and I'm just singing them. And Lori comes in the room and I'm like weeping and she's like, what's wrong? Oh no. And I'm like, God loves me so much. And it was just like this sense of, this sense of, of just God saying, Hey, I know this is super hard. The easiest thing for you to do would be to go to sleep and just crash. Hmm. But Hey, I have this. And, and it was, it turned out to be like an amazing, amazing time of working with people who were hurting. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I was thinking of a time uh, not too long ago when I had had a difficult conversation with someone about my book, which is not an uncommon experience. I've had a few of those, um, but there was one conversation in particular uh, that before I went into it, because I had suspected up front it might be difficult, uh, I had texted uh, my pastor and his wife and I told them, hey, I'm going into this difficult conversation. Would you pray for me? Uh, and they texted back and said, we're praying. And if you need to come over for dinner afterwards, just let us know. Mm. Um, so I had that conversation uh, after it was over. It was as anticipated, not the most pleasurable. Uh, I texted them and said, definitely coming over for dinner. And they were like, great, we'll see you soon. (laughs) And I got in the car and I was, I was bawling in the car on the way to their house. Um, But it was, it was, it was so good. It was like the best kind of bawling, like the kind that's like, yes, this is real. And it hurts like 
crazy. Yes. Um, and yet, like, I'm going to be with people that I I walked mm-hmm. into their house and I like, I, like I hadn't had any time to like freshen up, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely had the look of a man who's been crying, and I wasn't sure if the two boys who are ten and seven, if they could tell, like, wow, Greg looks like slightly strange right now. <laughs> uh, but just sitting sitting down to them with dinner and having a, a yeah. normal conversation, uh, and and just recognizing that like in the depth of difficulty, mm-hmm. like that's where the depth of love yes. is within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and recognizing that that <laughs> that dinner with them meant so much more to me right. um, than than just a just a normal dinner when like, oh hey, I had a beautiful day at work and everything was peachy and now <laughs> here we are. Yep. Um, it had a different kind of glory. Mm-hmm. Yes, because yeah. you went to the depths and the Lord met you there and then people were able to like meet you as well. Uh, because you'd been to a deep place. So the love was deeper. Hmm. This is so good. I think we could take this a million different ways. And Greg, we'll have you back on. (laughs) Oh, how how forward to that. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, being our guest today. We so appreciate it. And for being our guest yesterday and leading us in worship and really just setting the tone of the entire day just so, so well. Hmm. We're going to miss you. Uh, so that thank feeling's you. mutual. <laughs> oh, thank you. And if you want to find out more about Greg, you can go to gregorycoles.com. Um, you can get his incredible book there. It's a quick read. You can read it in like a day or two. Uh, that's what I did. And so I'd really recommend it. And you can learn more about his Christmas list childhood. I actually don't know if you talk about that. But really just about the best piece for me was how he, when he talked about suffering well in the book. So you'll be edified. Thanks so much for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast. The gospel is good news for everybody, every day. Check us out at himhministries.com where you can see all Matt and Lori have to offer and where you can listen to previous episodes. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. And if you'd like to answer our question of the week or if you have any questions or suggestions, email us at podcast at himhministries.com. 